Hello, listeners. Thanks hey. for joining us. How you doing? So uh, today we're talking with Nathan Cox, who's a visual effects artist. Thanks for Space joining us, Nathan. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm here. How are you going, man? I'm not doing too bad, thank you. All right, so Nathan, we're gonna we're gonna have a chat with you about one of your favorite movies that you've chosen for us. But before we get into that, just thought we'd have a bit of a chat about you know what it is you do and and just kind of you know the general the general gist of yeah, it. So you're sure. a visual effects artist. Yep, yep. Um, so what does that actually mean? Like, obviously, there's so many visual effects artists, mm-hmm. and it's a huge kind of. Thing. What is it that you specifically do? Well, uh, my position is uh, known as tracking or match moving, and it's really sort of it's just one part of a whole pipeline in making films. It's not so much VFX as it is sort of behind the scenes work to make things work. Right. So this is pretty much the first step in the pipeline, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, without match moving, without tracking. You can't have your film, but that's sort of, you know, you can say that for any individual part. That's true. And you've also done roto and compositing and stuff. So you've yeah, kind of got yeah. a bit of a broad look at the entire pipeline. Yeah. Kind of overview. Yeah. And not only that, but I even studied a bit of uh, 3D generalist stuff back at college. So. so what got you into tracking and match move? It was spontaneous, I think I could say, where I didn't even really mean to get into VFX at all. I wanted to get into games to start off with. So, so what what kind of did get you into VFX? You just fell into it at college. Uh, they sort of run this thing where, at the very beginning, you get a choice: do you want to do game or film? And at the start, I was like, "Oh, I want to be a you know game artist." And then after a year, the college is like, "Okay, you've had a year. Do you want to stay or swap?" And I sort of just preemptively thought that I didn't think that I would have much of a chance to get work in the video game industry. So, Yeah, right. Is there much kind of crossover between the game and visual effects industries? Like, mm, I think that it's starting to happen more, like more and more frequently. Uh, as I've heard that they're actually making films in game engines now. And it's like, okay, like I'm all for that. So you were... You were more interested in games. Was there a particular game or movie that kind of made you think, this is what I want to do? Or It's just all a bit of everything where it's like a bit of Bioshock, a bit of Red Dead Redemption, a bit of uh, League of Legends on the PC. And it was like, I just wanted to be a part of it in some way. Yeah, that's cool. That's one of the things I really like admire about you is you, you kind of like... You know, like movies would come up and you'd be like, oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that you're working in this industry, have you started to watch movies differently? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I I watch so many more movies now than I used to. Just looking at directors, you know, that uh, I may have, may have well not even heard of before. Yeah, just people say, oh, this director's good. You better watch some of his stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I will. Are you drawn more towards kind of VFX heavy films as that's your industry or are you just more into films in general now? Uh, Probably just more films in general. Last year, I think it was Valerian came out, but I didn't see it because of the VFX. I just saw it and then was like, wow, that really blew me away visually. Same with like Star Wars, Last Jedi, etc. Visually, they're incredible films and... I think that it just adds on top of all things that make a film. 
so I wouldn't go out of my way just to see a visually stunning film, but it really helps. Nathan, what, um, what I'm getting like your take on, do you do you have any kind of preference or do you just kind of appreciate both? With I mean, there's things like Valerian, which are, it is meant to be a very at-you visual kind of film mm-hmm. up against mm-hmm. something like, I mean, I'm a David Fincher nut. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love his work with visual effects because so much of it is hidden and the whole point of, like, like maybe a good edit or something, yeah. the point of it is that you don't notice yes, it. Yes, for sure. Is there one that, that you really love more than the other or just... Mm. That's actually a really good question. I think that personally, as sort of like someone working in VFX, I have a sort of a real appreciation for that invisible compositing VFX style stuff where people are watching and they're like, oh, you know, like they might say something along the lines of, oh, VFX is garbage in films these days. Like, get rid of it. I just want to see a classic. And then you go back to those classics and you're like, hang on a minute. There's VFX strewn all through it. You just didn't notice it. And that's why maybe that does sort of point it. I do like hidden style stuff. Do you think that you notice things more now because you kind of know how the inside works? Like, do you look at some movies that other people think are fine and you think, God, that looks like shit? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I think yes and no. I think that's part of the enjoyment of film where you are just, where you're just like, I'm here this is happening. It's real. Even though there's, you know, monsters and magic flying around on the screen. Like, that's what I think it's all about. You do see things and you're like, ah, oh, that's pretty bad. But sometimes you try and turn turn a blind eye to that. So sometimes it just seems that it's better to not be so scrutinous. So I guess what are some of the challenges of the job? Like, for people who don't know what match moving or tracking mm-hmm. is, which is mm-hmm. probably plenty of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, just it's me, like, like Billy's tried to explain it to me. Like, I'm like, well, I don't know, so computers. <laughs> What's like a, just give us like a broad overview of what that is and what some of the kind of challenges with that can be. How to explain match moving is probably, it's in the very general overview. It's just recreating the physical camera that they used on set in CG or in 3D pretty much. So. Uh, Say they have their particular shot that they've set up with this particular camera, with this particular lens. They shoot the shot however it was directed to be, and then it's our job to track features within that shot on the plate they have shot and then transfer that data into generating a 3D camera that is exactly the same with the same lens that they used. And that way, the, uh, the CG that's set for the film will actually stick on the plate and look like it's actually there in, you know, in the movie that you see at the end. Yeah, and as we all know, visual effects would be great if it weren't for the actors, right? Like, is, <laughs> is that the worst part? Is that what makes shots the most challenging? I, I think that, yes, I think that I would say that because obviously you can't uh, track an actor because they're, they're covering the static parts of the back plate. It's terrible because they'll either run in, stand right up in front of it, and they're always moving, so yeah. And so, obviously, due to NDA, I'm guessing you can't you can't tell us anything about like what you're working on. But how many projects are you working on at the moment? Um, so I can say that we're working on uh, four at the moment. Wow, yeah. that seems like a lot. Is that common for houses to work on that many at one time? Um, gosh, I'd say that it's um, it is probably common, but in my experience, which is still fairly limited. 
it depends on the company and what they're currently trying to achieve. I would say the majority of companies who are trying to make money and trying to train up their artists, they want to get at least two projects running side by side. So one of the things, Nathan, that I didn't know about you when we first met, and I just thought it was awesome when I found out, is as well as like visual effects, you run a really successful YouTube channel uh, narrating creepypasta. Really successful, That's awesome. I think we can use in quotations. It's, <laughs> no, it's pretty cool, man. Like, So what got you into that? Um, oh, gosh. I think that um, I started in 2012. YouTube sort of had a very select top-level sort of group of people which were like people that you might have heard of like PewDiePie he has been like the forefront of YouTube for years now and back in 2012 I was inspired by him I wanted to do stuff like him and then I'm not sure at some point I'm pretty sure that since I was doing the whole horror game thing uh, it came up to a point where there was sort of like a crossover like a video game that was also uh, inspired from a story like a creepypasta and um, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think anyone else is doing stuff like this. So I'll read the story beforehand, then play the game. And then I started seeing people saying stuff like, oh, I enjoyed the story more than the game. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, maybe I'll just <laughs> read stories. And then I pretty much just did that from then on. Because it's actually pretty awesome. Like I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts and stuff, and I've started just listening to oh, your stuff, no. like you know, like at nighttime, like creepy stories. Like it's actually pretty fun. Oh, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. That's... It's enough talking about me. The other big thing I know about you is that you love anime. I do. So, so the movie that you've chosen for us to chat about this week is is a very recent anime called Your Name. Did you watch this movie because you're an anime fan or were you just like, had you heard about it or? Um, definitely both. Like, I mean, being an anime fan, you can't not have heard of this movie. It's pretty much just been the biggest movie in all of anime, like recently. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty, like pretty soon after it came out. It's now like the fourth highest grossing film of all time in Japan. The seventh highest grossing traditionally animated movie anywhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And the high, it overtook Spirited Away as the highest grossing anime. Uh, like, it, it's it's pretty insane yeah. how popular this movie I did see when I was kind of just reading up some stuff about it, I did see that it it, it, it single-handedly accounted for 10% of the Japanese box office that year. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. insane. Staggering. Yeah, it's like the first non-Studio Ghibli movie to earn more than 10 billion mm. yen at the box mm. office. Which means nothing to me. <laughs> 10 billion. <laughs> so would you say that this is one of your favorite movies? I think that it's definitely one of my favorite anime movies. So, I mean, this is made by Mikado Shinkai. I mean, his animation... Did either of you guys see Garden of Words? I have not seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, so that was his previous movie. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. That is some of the most beautiful animation mm -hmm, I've ever mm -hmm. seen put to film. Like, it, there's actually a website, I can't remember the URL, where it will just give you a random frame oh, from that yeah, movie. Yeah. Just to kind of show you that, like, every frame is as good mm -hmm, as a painting. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so beautifully drawn yeah so I, I mean i'm guessing that i'm guessing that both that and this were traditionally animated but using computer painting and yeah stuff. yeah from what i could see they did definitely a bit of both yeah so your name i didn't i didn't know about it before before nate so you hadn't heard about it i hadn't heard about it i knew mm -hmm. nothing about it until nate told me how to watch it and so it's it's the story i mean it starts off at least the story of these two young people who are mystically 
linked and wake up in each other's bodies periodically. Mm. Um, and then there's a, a greater story to be told in this sort of what it reminded me of was it kind of Donnie Darko sort of way of yeah, okay. trying to go back and avert yeah. disaster. And for me anyway, I don't know about you two, but some the story does sometimes feel very different from kind of chapter to chapter, mm. if you will. Yeah, it's definitely got some big shifts in it where it almost changes pace and style and everything. So it starts off almost as a, like a light comedy. Oh, yeah. And then there's a point about halfway through where it very much shifts into kind of sci-fi drama territory. Yeah. Personally, I was, I was much more into the second half of the movie than I was the first. Yeah, so the watching, first half. watching this movie the whole time, I was sitting there going, I'm loving this. I am 100% sure that Topher hates this movie. Hates a pretty strong word. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like, honestly, if this was – if this was the late 90s and the Olsen twins were in this, I was like, this could go straight the to television. Yeah. Well, not even the entire first half, just the the back and forth with the body switching yep. thing. Yeah. yeah and right. I was like, from the intro to the film, which is this kind of mystic, moody, you yeah. know, asteroid coming through mm-hmm. space, you don't know why kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this seems, this seems cool. Yeah. Good work, Nate. And then I jumped into this, yeah, almost – Kind of teen love story. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, I love that. And I was I like, was I was like, what have you done to me, man? And then, <laughs> and then, forty-five minutes later, I was like, oh, I'm really into this again. <laughs> it reminded me of. Did you ever see that Australian movie? Was it Dating the Enemy? I never saw it, but With I know of it. Claudia Carvan and Guy Pearce. And Guy Pearce. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> Isn't it Claudia Carvan? I think you've gone a bit highbrow with Kavan. Claudia Kavan. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I loved this movie from start to finish. I really liked what it was, and then I liked it even more when it kind of took that shift in the second half. Yeah. The thing I like most about it is is the visuals. It's a great-looking movie. It is. But it's also very understated. Like, for a fantasy movie, there's a lot of just people in a city or in a village. Yeah, and even the... Now I don't know what I don't know if, if this is the correct terminology really with an animation, but the the shot selection is yeah. great. The mm. place where the director chooses to put the camera, yeah. as it were, is actually really interesting a lot of the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Nathan, did this feel like a kind of traditional anime to you? Because one thing I noticed is it's much more fluid yeah. than most anime. Like I feel like there's a lot more frames. Than most yeah, anime. Sure. It was very smooth. No, definitely. I, I don't actually know what it's called, but there's a word for um, the particular style of animating in some parts of the film where instead of just doing like keyframes, they actually redraw the shot every time. Yeah, every single frame, they draw it again and again. And that kind of animating is really beautiful. And of course, it costs heaps, so they can't do it all the time. But <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I actually saw um, Shinkai come out about this, saying that he is so unhappy. Oh, yeah. with the animation in this film came out saying that he would like because he's such a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Just came out saying that this is nothing compared to what it could be had he had another two years yeah. and, and more yeah, money. I saw that same thing. Which, as well. That just seems crazy to me because this is such a beautiful <laughs> looking movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. So it's still kind of a bit unclear as to what you thought of this movie. <laughs> what, like, what were your thoughts on like the the love story aspect of it? That I I quite liked. Yeah, actually, the whole I thought way that these people were linked together. Yeah, because even though they're both like the the male and the female, they're both teenagers. Mm. It's not it's not this like young 
hormones out of control hornbag thing going on. Yeah. It's actually this really tender sort of. Yeah. Well, and it all, it's so interesting the way that this love story happens because they just wake up one morning and their body swapped. And this just starts periodically happening randomly for who knows how long. But at the start, it's not even like, like they've never met each other. They're in totally different places. She's in like a very traditional old Japanese village and he's in the bustling city of Tokyo. Like at first, I kind of thought that what they needed from each other and the reason for this body swap was more kind of like to see how the other half Mm. lives. But it wasn't, it wasn't about that. At first, I thought it was more about, okay, he needs to see what it's like to not be a spoiled, you know, city Mm. dweller and she needs to experience the big city. But it actually was so much more than that even i i have a question for you billy all right go for it i'm gonna know how many times you cried yeah yeah I, I cried for sure i cried um how early did i cry i don't think i cried in the first hour 10 although i might have had like a little <laughs> but definitely the last not a time, pop song at the beginning not the pop song at the beginning possibly the pop song with about 20 minutes to oh go. yeah the movie is kind of interspersed with kind of random pop songs which i actually quite like but i knew that type yeah it doesn't work oh, for me no. <laughs> yeah see but you are not a big anime watcher like no. as a as a as an avid watcher nathan you would know that that kind of stuff happens yeah constantly. definitely whereas i've oh, seen right. maybe 10 in my life yeah um so i was like duh, 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 moody 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 pop song <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah i definitely cried i you know i love love stories when you know they write well they go to write their names on each other's hands in that kind of twilight period where they, I guess, spoiler alert, (laughs) about halfway through the movie, you find out that not only are these people body swapping, Mm -hmm. they're actually living three years apart as well. And not only that, her entire town was destroyed by a comet three years ago. And so she's actually no longer, she's, she's dead. Um, So what the movie becomes is Taki, the boy basically trying to find a way to change that so it, it becomes this really interesting blend of not only body swapping but kind of time travel and yeah it's very magical uh but so there's this moment about towards the end i guess where he's managed to reattach that kind of connection he has with her and they get to physically meet for a brief moment but they know that their memories are kind of fading so they go to write each other's names on their hands and like 10 minutes later, you find out that he didn't write his name. He wrote, mm-hmm. I love you. And I was like, Billy is weeping. <laughs> I, broke I loved it. Because it was like, you know, that was what transcended time. It was yep. their love. You know, like if he had actually written his name, it probably would have vanished off her hand and she wouldn't have even remembered yeah, it anyway. But because he wrote, I love you, that's what kind of stayed with her. And, you know, I just, oh, fuck, I thought mm. that was beautiful. <laughs> The way you put that just now was perfect as well. I love that. And I loved that not at any point in this movie could I predict what was happening next. Like, were you guys the same? No, my only thing was being the cry again. <laughs> like, plot-wise, you didn't know. No, I, I, I did. I, like, I really liked the point where when you first, well, before you know that they're separated by three years, when he first goes to call her, and obviously he can't connect to her phone because yeah. it's buried <laughs> under a comet. I, yeah, which was not what I was expecting to happen. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So di- you didn't find that shift jarring? The shift from the kind of almost teen comedy thing to yeah. the second half of the film. It is kind of jarring, but I suppose because I welcomed the change, I didn't care. Did you welcome the change because... Because I wasn't that into the you weren't that, that yeah. section. Yeah. Does that at all put a damper on your kind of overall view of the movie? Like having seen the second half, do you now enjoy the first half more? No. No. Got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys 
know this at all. Did you guys know that this is getting a live-action remake? I did read about that, and I am very... Uh, You're against no, it? No, I'm not against it. Gosh, I'm not sure what to say. What did you think of um, Ghost in the Shell last year, I mate? haven't seen it. I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. Probably don't. Probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, to be honest, it's not, I didn't think it was horrible, but oh, it's not no. good. I've been told many things. I've been told don't see it. I've been told see it for the sake of it. To be honest, my biggest gripe with it is the fact that, it, yeah, like I said, I don't think it's a horrible film. I think it was just entirely like, meh. And to do something that's meh from that mm. source material is pretty yeah. criminal. It would almost be better if it was, like, aggressively <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just... At least shrug- you could just forget it. Yeah, it. instead of walking out of the cinema and shrugging your shoulders. Oh, yeah. No. I was like, ah. Oh, Do really? either of you guys see the Death Note live no, action? No, no. Also not good. And that that's a shame because, yeah, the source material mm. for that is yeah. amazing. I don't think that lends itself to a film, though. Even the Japanese live-action version of that was not very good. Um, but did you guys know who who's attached to the live-action remake of Your Name? A bunch of white people. <laughs> it is definitely oh, white people. Oh, no, really? J.J. <laughs> oh. Abrams has options oh. this. Yeah, so he's, he's remaking this. Supposedly, they're going to start shooting pretty soon. Oh, wait, they can't be shooting really soon. He's writing a Star Wars movie. Like He just he pitched Lucasfilm the day that Last Jedi came out. Maybe this was going to be yeah. his next project, and then once he got... Yeah, he was probably going to go straight into it, and Lucasfilm backed the truck up, yeah. dumped all dumped of the money, the money on his on door, his and he's like, okay, your name can wait. <laughs> yeah. Then call me by your name came out. He's like, okay, probably better if there's some distance here so we don't confuse people. <laughs> How do you guys feel about... Do you think that you would enjoy that more, Toph? No, I wouldn't have thought so. No? Especially not if it is the Olsen Twins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my other question is, I wonder, especially given that this is white people, kind of Japanese culture and heritage plays quite a large part in this mm-hmm. film she grows up in a very traditional yeah, village and yeah. a lot of you know they go through this whole thing like when she's making the sake yeah. traditionally and stuff what are they going to do which is, is kind of is she going to make is she going to make moonshine in a fucking bathtub in wyoming or something i do wonder that how they're going to adapt because it's not that this film is i don't think that this is as cultural is something like spirited mm. away you know we had that discussion with spirited away about how much will we missing by not being part of that mm. culture i didn't feel that so much with this movie i felt like it was more universal than that but at the same time their culture is a pretty important oh yeah part of it. like it's all it's all entwined deep within like she is literally a shrine maiden and that yeah that's right. yeah that's sake that she makes is then taken over to that really spiritual what was it the underworld area and inside like yeah and it's kind of implied that that's not necessarily the cause of this magic body switching but a large mm, part of mm. it you know like she talks to her grandma and her grandma says the same thing happened to me it comes with being yep, a shrine yep. maiden mm. which makes me wonder how much they're actually going to keep yeah. which makes me think it's probably not going to be very good mm. <laughs> lots of lens flares though <laughs> lots of lens flares more lens flares than you can poke a lens flare out <laughs> but interestingly enough they actually use the lens flares in a sort of like yeah, they really did use them well, like, in order to sort of, like, divide the frame. I mean, as, as Topher was saying with the kind of shot choices, I don't know if cinematography is exactly the right word for an animated movie, but, yeah, it was very well done. The way the camera mm-hmm. moves, you know, like, when when he discovers that kind of shrine and the camera kind of pans around, the parallax and everything in that shot is just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like, it's so well animated that you would actually believe there's a camera there. <laughs> Like, yep. like I actually wondered to what extent elements of this film were kind of CG blended with 2D. Mm. 
You know, like I know I know he did some of that for Gardener Words, particularly there's a lot of rain oh, yeah, in yeah. that movie, so like rain reflections on sidewalks mm-hmm. and stuff. So I do wonder how much of that was done for this film or how much of it was just traditional hand animation because if it's hand animation, that's detailed yeah, camera yeah. work. All right, so I guess I'm, I'm so curious to find out what you – I still feel like I don't know what you actually thought of this movie, Toe. So, what's your rating for it? I, I liked it. I'm on a I'm on a seven out of ten. Oh wow, um, that's higher than I was expecting. Yeah. So there was, and like I said, there's a fair chunk of this film which I I didn't necessarily dislike it, but I wasn't particularly mm. into. And so overall, even though like I don't love the movie, but I did like it, and it gets up to a seven with me because I do find the film actually, particularly like at the back end of it, it's mm. it's quite affecting. It right. really is. It's emotionally, yeah. Taking into account how kind of the point of the movie is to move you in some way, yeah. it completely succeeds there so for me. you didn't cry, though. <laughs> I didn't cry, but I'm dead inside. So. Did you watch it alone or did you watch this with someone? Uh, I watched it by myself. And and even though you were all alone? Even though I didn't need, even though I could just... cave, you yeah. still shed a little tear? Nothing, mate. Oh, wow. Heartless fucking animal. <laughs> I mean, for me, this was a nine. I've I really, really, really enjoyed a lot about this movie. Yeah, I thought it was great. What about what about you, Nathan? Um, I gave it a ten out of ten right off the bat. But I rewatched it for this interview just so that I would know what I'm talking about and know what you're talking about. And um, I actually lowered the score because I was like, I didn't think that it was as perfect as I thought it was on second reviewing. But I didn't bring it down much, to be honest. I brought it to a 9 out of 10. So I'm sitting with you, Billy. What was it that dropped it down for you? I think that the plot, which I thought was so fresh and so sort of like, I don't know, like it seemed so hard-hitting to me the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I won't lie, I had the waterworks going. But this time, yeah, <laughs> you're a cryer yeah. like me. <laughs> but this time, I was like, I didn't, I didn't. I was just like, hmm, that's strange. Like the music was really, it emotionally affected me. I was getting the chills, and I was like, but it didn't get me as much. Uh, I wanted to sort of speak about the music. So uh, Yojiro Noda is the lead vocalist of the rock band Radwimps. And they're the guys who made those little pop songs that you heard. Something that you have to know about Kimi no Noa, or Your Name, is that it has both a Japanese dub and English subs uh, with straight up English dub, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we both watch the Japanese with um, with the English subs. But I've, I've heard that the dub is actually yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of online controversy about watching subbed or dubbed anime. And uh, personally, I prefer subbed. Nothing against the dub, because it's, it's really big. Like, people, they will fight to the death about this stuff. But something that I thought was really interesting was that the love that's put into this translation in the English dubbed version of Your Name, it features all of the Radwimp songs that were reprised by the band in English. So, yeah, you have right. the Japanese singing you know, songs in the Japanese dub than in the English dub. They remade the songs. In English. In English. So how how similar are the lyrics? Because I often wonder this with translated songs. If it's designed to rhyme mm-hmm. in one language, how, how do you translate that and still make it rhyme? Like are, are the words... The words are definitely different. And it's it's mostly interpretation and then also 
them working it so that it does rhyme. So in some cases, there may just be more syllables that they have to add in a shorter amount of time to make it so that they can fit in a word to rhyme. That's like, did you guys know that 99 Red Balloons was only released in English in Germany and everywhere else in the world it was released in German? Oh, shit. Naturally. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. Yeah, isn't that weird? Ages ago, I remember hearing that that guy casting back to the 90s, Eagle Eye Cherry, you know, like Save Tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so he's Swedish, but he wrote in English because he's like Swedish just sucks to write songs in. It's so hard to... To rhyme. Yeah, I don't know whether it was the rhyming or something. It's like English just way easier for songwriting. <laughs> Hence, wow. a lot of people probably didn't realise that he wasn't either British or American or, or whatever because once everyone's singing, you kind of dish your accent. Everyone <laughs> yeah, just sounds the same. True. You've got that neutral accent yeah. when you sing. Yeah, but apparently, yeah, so some languages just a bastard to write music with. Huh, that is interesting. Um, something that... It's something that I just completely brushed over while watching it. But from what I've heard, that uh, licensing in Japan is notoriously complicated. Other anime make changes to brands in their shows, like, you know, McDonald's being Wickdonald. In the case of Your Name, they try to add, like, a touch of real-world fidelity. And in a, just a one-shot right at the start, it lasts less than a second, Shinkai was able to acquire the licensing rights to display the correct names and brands of the buildings in the area of Shibuya. I can't imagine what kind of crap they went through to get that, to get those licenses, but it was all just for that one shot. And uh, to quote a really well-known reviewer's words on this film, I've seen Makoto Shinkai accused of style over substance filmmaking, but here the style is the substance. The sense of awe, the intangible emotional pain you get when you see something this colourful, vibrant, and beautiful is in part what the film is about. So here's a question for you. Let's say that this wasn't Mm -hmm. an anime. Let's say that it was the exact same film, but it it was was live live action. action. Do you think that this movie would be half the movie it is? is... Because that's how you really answer the question, is the style Mm. a part of this substance? Because I'm going to say yes. I don't think this movie would be half as good if it was live action. God, I, I don't think that I'd be able to comment unless it actually happened. Do you think that you, like, I know you, you wouldn't have sat through the first half of this film, though. The only film that I've ever really stopped watching was Reindeer Games. Oh. <laughs> and that is a crime. Because that's- yeah, that film is a crime, you're right. Um, <laughs> so if I'd started watching it, uh, yeah, I probably would have sat through it, even though the first half of the film, not and not even the entire first half of the film, just parts of the first half of the film, yeah, I'm not in love with. So is there anything in particular in that first half that you can point to that you didn't love or is it just the entire thing in general? Just the, f- like that section of the film has a very different feeling. It does. To sure. yeah. the parts of the film that I like. Yeah. Um, and it just wasn't for me. Well, thanks so much for hey, joining thanks us. thanks for having me. Remind us of your YouTube channel. Natnator77 if you want to check it out. Well, uh, until next time, if you want to reach us, you can do that at Bears on Film Mailbag at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Bears on Film Podcast, Instagram at Bears on Film Podcast, Twitter at Bears on Film Pod, or you can find us at bearsonfilm.net. And if you liked it, be sure to give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you can rate podcasts. Thanks for joining us, Nate. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. Bye. <laughs>